Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey, everybody, Patrick Connor here, and welcome to the Knuckles and Gloves podcast. I'm back with my dude, Bren Jonathan Butler, who is, of course, author, filmmaker, and my buddy for a while. And we're going to do another boxing history subject of another controversial fight in Sugar Ray Leonard versus Marvelous Marvin Hagler from 1987. Bren, oh my gosh, man, is, it, is this ever going to end? Is this conflict? I mean, dude, we got the Bloods and the Crips, the Hatfields and the McCoys. <laughs> this is Leonard fans and Hagler fans. Is this ever going to end? No, because I absolutely hate Sugar Ray Leonard, except that he beat Floyd Mayweather's dad. Good for you. I'll, I'll give you credit on, on that side of the board. But all of his other antics as a, as a brand, I can't stand. I don't have anything against him personally. But I mean, I hate to say it, but as a result of watching this fight twice to talk to you, it's even more contentious inside of me that I could not give this fight to Hagler. Didn't give it to Leonard, but it, it's just like the, the knot tightens every time you watch this fight. It just yanks on both sides, and that is the last result I wanted. I wanted to come to you with a definitive result, and, and unfortunately, it's exactly the opposite. But I think to get there is going to be much more interesting because for the first time I researched the context around this fight and i think on both guys side such an interesting fight well you know in the the last time on the last show we did where we rescored a fight or a controversial fight there were very few complaints but there were a couple of complaints that we got to our scores too late into the show or at a portion that was not clear so fuck it doesn't really matter let's go ahead and give our scores now if you don't mind how did you score this fight this 12-round fight, which is an important number here. Well, draw, and and let's see. If I go down the line, first two rounds to Leonard, fourth round to Leonard, sixth round to Leonard, eighth to Leonard, and the 11th to Leonard. Maybe the 11th could be a draw, like that was a close one, but 6-6, uh, but six, six, and and... Not even a hard 6-6 six, six for me to score. Like, I really wasn't torn particularly, even though, like, I'm aware of all the arguments on both sides because I, I watched the legendary Knights on this and sort of saw all the Hagler fans. And I love Hagler, not as much as Duran, who's my favorite fighter all time. But Hagler, I love everything about him. Inside the ring, outside the ring. I love his, his entourage are just such great blue-collar guys. So I would do anything to give this to Hagler. But Leonard, also the narrative, I thought this was interesting. We'll get into it later. But the narrative of the flurries at the end of each round to steal rounds for Leonard, I don't really see that at all. It sounds nice, but I didn't see it in practice watching this, watching this fight. You know, that's, it's funny you say that because that was kind of, that has really been one of the enduring 
um, talking points surrounding this fight over the years that, oh, Leonard just waited to the last 30 seconds of every round and flurried, <laughs> you know, did the shoe shining shit when he really only did that in maybe like two or three rounds tops. And it wasn't a, I, I was even, I w- wouldn't say that I was paying close attention and just listening for 30 seconds, but I only heard it maybe once or something like that. It didn't, it, it wasn't that egregious or obvious or anything like that, despite it being one of the talking points that's carried over from this fight. I scored the fight eight rounds to four for Marvin Hagler, <laughs> which well, is funny. You. which is funny because for a number of years, and again, we've revisited these fights and this fight I hadn't seen for a number of years. I guess I just had no reason to, I mean, I don't know. I it's, it's nothing against any of these fights. It's just, there are so many fights from history that I I can't spend 100% of my time watching old fights as much as I would love to, but you know, you have to be kind of choosy sometimes. And this isn't a fight that I've watched for a number of years, but I distinctly remember the last time that I watched it and like kind of scored it, I came away thinking Hagler got started away, got started way too late, gave away too many rounds. He could not have won that fight. And so watching it back and scoring it for Hagler or feeling as though Hagler should have won was like, wow, I, I honestly didn't expect that. And I didn't, and I didn't arrive at that conclusion believing I was going to, I, I thought I was going to get it, you know, close for Leonard. And that's not what I arrived at. I, I think the other big feature about this fight is is a bit like Floyd's genius for taking fights when he did, is I think Leonard had the same thing. I think Leonard got into Hagler's head, and I think after watching the Mugabe performance, he saw that there's enough diminishment in Hagler, even if it's 5% off his fastball from, like, who he was against Hearns, let's say. He said, ah, okay. Now I've got him where I, I, I can work with this. Even though he's, he's jumping up in weight, you know, like it, this is not an easy fight for Leonard to take by any stretch. But, you know, because it's easy after the fact to sort of rearrange the parameters of how we view it. But I think the diminishment, the slight diminishment of Hagler has echoes of sort of how we feel a little bit about Pacquiao Mayweather. Like, had it happened five years earlier, is it going to be the same thing? Maybe, maybe Floyd was able to, but Floyd certainly didn't think he'd be able to do what he did when they actually fought. And, and he gets full credit, I mean, if, if we call it credit, for taking the fight when he did to, to be able to implement his game plan as effectively as he did, just, just totally nullifying anything Pacquiao had. And I think Leonard was able to do that here. He was just able to handle this version of Hagler, who was you know, 30, 32 years old at this point. For me, um, and this is just my, my opinion, I thought that Mayweather Pacquiao is the kind of matchup that Mayweather just had a stylistic advantage in no matter when they fought, but I obviously could be wrong. However, I think that you make a good point about Leonard catching Hagler at this specific time and did it purposely and also probably got lucky. There were a few rounds where it looked for maybe about stretches of 30, 45 seconds that Hagler was starting to beat him up. Like it didn't, he didn't sustain it. And Leonard was intelligently stifling that momentum. And I thought that that was a big part of why Leonard came out of this looking at least somewhat impressive. 
but that uh that is one kind of narrative from this fight that does hold true in my opinion is that leonard did catch him at the right time and did time this the way that he wanted it and that level of kind of manufactured or uh you know well-timed or opportunistic that approach to Leonard's career is approach is an approach that he took for most of his career, if not his entire career, which is, I think why oddly Ray Leonard has the crowd in this fight and a bunch of fucking retroactive goofballs like Chevy fucking chase ringside going, yay, Ray Leonard. Now you're just like, Oh, now I really don't want him to win this fight when you're rewatching it. But nonetheless, he has the crowd, but then in, in the historical sense, Hagler has the crowd. Hagler has the fans without question. I think that over the years, Leonard has kind of developed into a character where people recognize that manufactured portion of his character and career. So anyway, uh, I thought that that also was pretty interesting to, to look back at that and see that, you know, Hagler did not have the crowd in this instance. Well, and, and another thing, apart from the timing of the fight, which I think is paramount in terms of its implications, the other thing that I wasn't aware of until I researched this is Leonard was willing to take the smaller purse in exchange for some factors that are pretty big going into this. Hagler made $20 million for this fight compared to Leonard's 12. What did he get for that? Leonard got a way bigger ring. He got... 10 ounce gloves instead of eight and 12 rounds instead of 15. Yeah. Now, you know, it tells you something where like money was a big deal to Leonard that if he's willing to swallow making $8 million less when he's been throughout his career, so much more lucrative as, as an athlete than Hagler ever was. Now I get Hagler's a champ at this point in time, but I mean, as a draw, Leonard was always way bigger than Hagler. It took Hagler forever to get in a position to earn big money. And I, I'm not happy about that. I think Hagler, I love his style and everything and what he represented. But you got to give it to Leonard from one perspective that all of these conditions that he's curating to make it as ideal as possible, sacrificing the money. But in the end, who was tortured by this fight it's not that he lost out on eight million dollars in the purse it, it's the fact that he came away as successfully as he did and you have to think like you're talking about there's a few close calls at the end of rounds where Hagler just couldn't finish off what he just begun in the last 10-15 seconds and had he had smaller gloves smaller ring to cut Leonard off you know timing if he's a little younger or three little, more rounds yeah Three more rounds, a little more vitality uh, on the other side, which we have to point out to be fair. There's a detached retina in, in Leonard's eye. You'd think like this could scare you. This could make you feel a lot more vulnerable than you've ever felt before. And a lot of fighters, once they're aware of some of the risks and the damage and that this is real, that you're like, there's a point at which you're going to walk away. And what kind of person are you going to be for the rest of your life as a, as a father and a human being? Uh, the killer that Leonard is seems so up for this fight, so up for this fight. And, and the other thing that you pointed out earlier, too, is what the fuck was Hagler doing coming out in an orthodox stance, which accomplished nothing, nothing except giving those two rounds away that, that 
ultimately would have sealed them the fight if, if this was legitimately scored. And we're going to talk about that too, because this is an extraordinarily contentiously scored fight by the existing judges that were there. So a lot to play with here. Yeah. I, um, <clears throat> I think that another kind of advantage against Ray Leonard is that he had only gone to 154 pounds one time in, in 1981 uh, as I believe if I'm, if I have my timing right in my head as a prelude to the top, the first Hearns fight kind of is, is a way to get leverage going into that fight. If I, uh, before they unified, if I'm not mistaken, now I'm going to have to look, cause I don't want to say the wrong thing, but yes, it was right before that fight. Yeah. Okay. So I was correct. Uh, nonetheless, he hadn't gone up to middleweight, so he was going to be weighing more than more for a fight than he had ever weighed before. And he was giving up size, giving up strength, et cetera. So he was at a few it, uh, disadvantages in that regard. And he was the bigger star. So that being said, he does kind of have the power and the say as, as far as uh, setting the terms. And on top of that, Hagler seemed eager enough for a fight on this level and a payday on this level to concede those terms and kind of think, well, I'm going to get them anyway. It doesn't really matter. 12 rounds, 15 rounds, I'm going to get them. And so anyway, it's kind of like uh, I don't want to use those as crutches or excuses because going through round by round, there were opportunities and Hagler, like you said, so coming out in round one, he comes out orthodox and Ferdy Pacheco immediately is critical of his choice to do so and all over him. Uh, I thought Leonard had a really good jab early on and Hagler was trying to jab with him from you know his right-handed stance but was getting outsped or outspeeded and uh at some point Leonard caught Hagler with a really good left hook and Hagler kind of got some body work going and I thought that this was a theme kind of like in Mayweather Castillo that we talked about last week that the body work uh the aggressor was was putting in was being unno was going unnoticed by the commentators and it was kind of money in the bank that was uh, better than what I remember, I guess. Even so, I thought that Hagler clearly gave away that opening round. Uh, he he followed too much, kind of chased after Ray Leonard, who was moving really well, pivoting, using angles, and just kind of getting off as he wanted. Yeah, it's same thing. Hagler comes out curiously in an orthodox position. It's completely ineffectual. Leonard is dancing, but he's also dictating all of the action and clearly frustrating Hagler. I don't know who the hell could score the first round for Hagler. Just, just one last thing about a bit of context for people that don't know or weren't born at the time or whatever. Sugar Ray Leonard is going to retire five times in total. That's a good point. Yeah. Career. Um, Leonard had secretly had four warm-up fights with, uh, I believe, fairly elite competition going into this fight just to test out where he was actually at. He had two knockouts in and won all four of those fights. And Angelo Dundee in his corner, if anybody wants to rewatch this, I didn't pick up on it, but it's interesting context, was only paid 1.25% of Leonard's purse. And so 150,000 in total which led to him bitterly parting ways with Leonard after this fight. Just kind of another, another hit against Leonard, unfortunately, 
that it makes this just a very bitter pill to swallow in retrospect, but. And, and, and last, last thing, 46 of 50 riders picked Hagler going into this fight. That's a they, good point. That's a good point about, off. it's a good point about the retirement because not only is that obviously an incredible, you know, stat in and of itself, but once again, a strike against Ray Leonard here is that he had used the threat of retirement also for opportunities. And I guess the whole point is that like, uh, like in life, when you punch down, you're a fucking asshole. When you don't need to use your leverage that over people that you already have leverage over, you're an asshole, dude. That's yeah. just how it is. Uh, it doesn't mean that you're, you can't do it, but you know, sometimes just cause you can, doesn't mean you should nonetheless, Leonard used that threat of retirement. And just like Floyd Mayweather, Ray Leonard was a big enough star that he had a very, he had his own gravity about him in that other fighters in and around weight classes would stop what they were doing so that they could get an opportunity to fight Ray Leonard. And he would use that threat of retirement, which sometimes kept other fighters either inactive or waiting so that they can get that opportunity, just as fighters did with Floyd Mayweather, you know, just to kind of draw an analogy yeah. that might make it easier to understand. So that just kind of is an extra layer of crappiness here. Well, and, and, you know, one of the things I liked about the way this is framed by the announcers, too, is Larry Merchant says, is this late, late than never or never than late? So April 6, 1987, 350 million people watched this live around the world. 350 million. It had been sold out for five months. And, you know, at the outset, Merchant compares it in terms of buzz. The next biggest fight that he attended was Ali Frazier won. Now, I mean, try to try to make that comparison that the buzz going into a fight. Yeah, you have to go back to Ali Frazier one, <laughs> which like I remember like the first time meeting Tom Hauser, like saying like, "What are your three favorite fights you've been to?" And he's like, "Well, Muhammad Ali Frazier one, Ali Frazier one, and Ali Frazier one." Like, there's just there's no how do you go to the next one after that kind of thing. So the buzz just could not have been bigger. These guys are 32 and 30 years old. Interestingly, that Hagler has the longer reach, which I didn't know prior to this 75 inch reach for like a relatively short guy little little different than your normal kind of slugger style i mean i think it's why you get such miraculous knockouts from Hagler is because he has a reach that i think guys just do not expect given the style well there are a number but, of there are a number of stoppages that he scored like the uh, william monroe three stoppage for instance, where he's like catching them as they're moving out and stuff like that. Like they like almost as if they're like, there's no way he can get me from that distance and he leaps up and gets them. So that, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. Uh, so let's go to the second round. What I had was Leonard getting some solid body work in landing some right hands. It's a much more competitive round. 51 thrown 29 landed for Leonard. 57% accuracy. So again, this is one of those rounds. I don't know how you score it for Hagler. Hagler lands 11 of 54 punches for 20%. Just really, really clearly in, in Leonard's scorebook, I have to bitterly confess. <laughs> what did you see? 
yeah, I thought it was a fairly clear Leonard round. Um, he was active uh, with his hands, but also kind of playing to the crowd. I think this was where he started doing a lot of moving, stalling, and uh, a lot of kind of gesturing to the crowd to kind of win them over. And it, it began working because Hagler was, again, following, not able to cut the ring off, not cutting the ring off at all, really. He wasn't even trying for, for most of these first two rounds. Uh, he again landed some body shots, Hagler, that is, but Leonard also was landing body shots back and started also getting his overhand right working. Uh, that was a shot that he that he came back to uh, a number of different times through the course of the fight. So uh, he just Hagler just wasn't active. He he wasn't able to get any momentum going in either the first or the second round. And it appeared in round two that Hagler had started kind of slipping you know this was starting to even only two rounds in it it starts getting to a point where like all right how many of these rounds are you going to give away buddy and that's what it looked like yeah third round i had Hagler beginning to land he finally switches back to his natural southpaw stance again i just don't understand the first two rounds giving that away i mean i felt that way at the beginning of watching terrence crawford but i think he pulls it off He's just such a, an effective, complete fighter that it, you know, like I remember with Gamboa, he switched and you were kind of like, oh, I don't know about this. But in the end, like worked out just fine. But with Hagler, I just don't see any evidence of it remotely being effective. I, like it doesn't throw Leonard off. Leonard doesn't care and he's not landing anything. And there's no ability to implement effective aggression. So finally in round three, switches back i thought leonard had some moments leonard also demonstrated i think to Hagler and the crowd he clearly is not rusty and that was a big question mark because i think that overwhelming majority of the writers writing him off it wasn't writing off anything to do with leonard it was just saying that layoff and being at a new weight how much is this going to affect there's just no way it can affect him at this age what leonard has demonstrably shown by round three is not rusty, is completely effective at this weight. And this is a lot more competitive than I think Hagler thought it was going to be. Uh, last thing, yeah, I mean, just I just had that his, his fastball is in no way diminished. And in a handful of exchanges, uh, I thought Hagler finally was able to be a little bit more effective than Leonard, slightly. So I gave round three to Hagler a lot of people that score this fight for Leonard give, give this to Leonard. But I, I, again, like none of these rounds, I really fought myself to score. I was pretty clear by the end of the round. Okay. I know who this goes to and round three goes to Hagler for me for the first time in the fight. Yeah. He, the decision to come back out Southpaw was fairly key. Um, he was able to back Leonard up to the ropes and land some kind of tricky left hands from the Southpaw stance. Finally, and then also had some body work going. I wound up scoring it for Leonard, but kind of with an asterisk that it could have gone to Hagler. Uh, and mostly because I felt Leonard kind of understood the pace of the round a little bit better. And this was one of the few rounds where that kind of narrative about him stealing the round or whatever, I thought that it kind of applied a little bit here in the sense that it took him a little, uh, a little bit long 
there were kind of gaps of inactivity for Leonard in this round where it seemed like he was maybe a little bit confused about the southpaw angles. But then also when Hagler kind of his activity dipped off toward the end of the round, Leonard picked it back up. So again, I wouldn't be sad if anybody scored this for Hagler. Um, and he clearly had more success than the first two rounds, even just by virtue of fighting southpaw and getting some of those angles. But kind of alluding to, to something you had said in a, uh, a moment ago there, um, the, another reason why kind of the, uh, the feelings, the pre-fight feelings coming into this, um, and especially after those first two rounds, you said earlier that you thought Leonard had gotten into Hagler's head, and that's kind of what it appeared even through the third round. And you could see why, and again, the backdrop of this fight with Hagler having fought more times, having kind of come up the rough way or the hard way as a contender. And you look at Ray Leonard, whose amateur career, he was a gold medalist. He, it's not like he was handed everything because he did work hard, but he clearly got more opportunities than other fighters. His entire career, 100% of it was videotaped and very heavily covered like, and there aren't that many fighters where that's the case. And so I think that going into this fight, Hagler viewed him as somebody like I, he couldn't let this guy win. He couldn't let the pretty boy win who was given all the opportunities. That's bullshit. You know, he came up the hard way and it's his time now, but that for whatever reason, that mindset, I, I don't know if it got into his head too much or whatever, as soon as Leonard came out and showed that he wasn't just going to be, you know, bowled over, I don't know. I don't know precisely what it was that kind of hindered Hagler, but something did. And in any case, uh, yeah, I thought that that third round was close. If you give it to Hagler, no problem whatsoever. However, the fourth round is, I thought, where Hagler clearly starts picking up the pace and kind of starts understanding that he, he's, he's not buying it anymore. He's not buying into Leonard's bullshit, and he's going, all right, oh, Jesus, I just need to walk him down and punch fuck all right well then let's do that and that's kind of what it seemed like in round four to me he he uh, started far more aggressive he started landing a really good uh left hand lead from a southpaw stance and uh leonard was like not throwing punches for maybe about the first 30 to 45 seconds and pretty much every time leonard got something going in this round whether it was jabbing or getting a right hand going Hagler was right there on him and answering back and so in any case, I thought it was a somewhat close round, but Hagler landed really good body shots. Uh, and again, they weren't really mentioned whatsoever. Uh, and then uh, Leonard landed his share punches, but kind of that neglecting to punch for the first like 30, 45 seconds of the round, that hurt him. That definitely hurt him in the round and Hagler managed to get that momentum. Yeah, I... I thought Leonard is coming into his comfort zone a little bit once he starts taunting. I, I mean, one of the things that I do appreciate about Leonard that I think is a component that wears on his adversaries is his cruelty, how much he enjoys uh, being in there, performing and hurting people. I think like we, we, like you said, the kind of golden boy energy about him, he's got a great smile. He's advertising all kinds of stupid things in stupid ways, but Inside the ring, I think he has as much sort of iron will as anybody. He just, he loved top-level competition. He loved the biggest stage possible. And to get to a point where he is willing to be playful 
is a place that you do not enjoy seeing if you're Marvin Hagler. Because Hagler's expectation, I think, is you should be terrified of me. Just like Durant. I think Durant, like these guys are just used to just breaking people and, and doing it in this kind of surly, angry sort of style. Whereas with Leonard, there's joy in hurting people. And that can throw people off a little bit. You know, it's its own kind of knuckleball about how to deal with it. And I remember like Ali, you know, I think Tyson said it about Ali, is that the most dangerous fighters in the world are not the guys who are coming in in a surly, angry, frustrated way. It's the Ali way where you look like you're having fun, where you're performing at the highest level, but you're also enjoying it and you're playful. That can really throw guys that just don't have that gear. They don't have that element of their personality to, to kind of join up with the athleticism. And so I thought, again, uh, Leonard was able to control here. He still was the matador with Hagler in an enough of an effective way. Uh, there, you know, Hagler looked angry and frustrated, which I think affects the judges a fair bit. And sort of just the, the mood of the round and where the mood of where the fight is going. I think it was, it was sort of um, sort of pouring gasoline on the crowd to be like, Ooh, Leonard is doing something very special. I don't know if Hagler is going to be able to close it. So created this great tension and dramas. Is Hagler going to be able to do this? Whereas I think going into the fight, everybody's like, when is Hagler going to do this? Now it's, if, can he do this? That was an interesting change here. Uh, and I, I think you're just seeing also in this round, Hagler's inability to slow Leonard down. Hagler's hand, sorry, Leonard's hand speed is just a little too much for Hagler in the exchanges. And I, I don't think that would have been true had the fight happened a year or two earlier. Again, it's, it's a credit to what I think Leonard observed by doing good research, going to that Mugabe fight and being like, aha, I can, I can, I can win this one. I can find the right strategy to do what's necessary to win. If I can implement this plan, I think he's at a point now where I can, I can do this. So I gave the fourth round begrudgingly to Sugar Ray Leonard. I actually did have something of an asterisk on that round because there were a few moments where, like you said, um, like for instance, it was maybe like late in the second minute or something. Uh, Leonard landed a really good like bolo punch and it was a right hand and it landed kind of low, but it was exaggerated and it got the crowd going. And then, and then um, uh, er, right before that, I'm sorry, he landed a big exaggerated right hand and then did the whole, you know, whooping his arm up thing and Bolo punched him again with the right hand. I'm not 100% sure how effective they were, but nonetheless, like you said, it got the, it got the crowd going. And it definitely seemed to kind of help him momentum wise. So I wouldn't really be too hurt if anybody gave that round to Leonard. However, it was the next round where I think that was a pretty unequivocal Hagler round. However, if you're at like round five, you know, you're only, you're at round five in the fight and that's the first round where you're like, all right, you, this is the round where you have to give it to Hagler. That is getting started kind of late. I mean, it is getting started kind of late, regardless of how you're scoring these other rounds, man. It's, it's not a good, good look. Well, fifth round, you start to become aware. How much has Leonard had to fight against the ropes? Almost not at all. And that doesn't just happen by accident. That's a credit to everything he's done with his preparation, game plan, and his just ability to keep Hagler off him. Um, 
and and Ray is still scoring here, but I think the the bigger shots in this round become apparent, like even going into the end of this round where you have I think maybe the biggest shots landed in the entire fight. Um, Hagler wins the last minute with some of these strong shots, like I think wins the round. And finally on the ropes, Leonard looks buzzed with a hook uppercut that buckles his knees that Hagler lands. And uh, it's, it's, a, it's a really interesting moment. And again, you just think like, oh, the timing of when this happened. If he could, could have done this once at the beginning of a round, but always it was seemingly like the, the momentum was changing or he'd land something of significance near the end, the bell goes, and it kind of, you kind of have to start all over and put it together in this sort of protracted way. So I don't know how much it was just not Hagler's night or just Leonard was on or just the age thing or, or the ring being so large, but whatever it was, uh, I think those little things that Leonard made sure to put in uh, paid real dividends. You saw it here because he got hurt. If that had happened at the beginning of the round, I think Hagler's one of the great finishers. Could have been some real trouble, but as it stood, I, I pretty clearly gave gave this round to Hagler, and I, yeah. I struggle, struggle to see how you give it to Leonard. Yeah, it, it looked pretty clearly to me that in about the last 30 seconds or so, there was a series of shots. Hagler landed kind of like a... Uh, he th- he Hagler would often throw from a southpaw stance. He would throw a jab that was a little bit more like an overhand right, but from a from a southpaw stance, so that it wasn't just a mere jab, but that shit was a punishing punch. And he landed two of those, and then he landed an uppercut right after that. And the uppercut looked like it it uh, rocked Ray Leonard. And they showed it again in the replay between rounds. And it sure you know he kind of wobbled backward right afterwards. To his credit. He did not, he didn't let anything happen after that. He went to the ropes and kind of just tried to flurry his way out of it. And it mostly worked because he didn't get knocked out, didn't get further hurt. But nonetheless, you know, Hagler took that round for sure. Um, and then with the momentum from that, like like you said, it, had it been just a little earlier in the round or had it been in a slightly different way or something, I don't know, had he been able to catch up to him just a little bit earlier, it might've been different. So he had momentum going into the sixth round, but um, I thought that Leonard actually picked his pace up almost as if he realized that he lost that round. And to his credit, Angelo Dundee was giving that kind of like, that relationship between Angelo Dundee and Ray Leonard, it sucks that Leonard uh, probably screwed him over considering how much he got paid, you know, to only pay your trainer that much is pretty fucking weak, dude. But regardless, that legendary relationship between Angelo Dundee and Ray Leonard really shown in the middle of this fight. And this was one of those moments where Angelo Dundee was imploring him, you know, he was like, all right, you got to pick the pace up, baby. Come on, baby. Smooth, smooth. I'm telling you, smooth. And stuff like that. And, you know, obviously they had their own vocabulary between them where shit meant, you know, you only had to say a couple words, but he was telling them, you know, get in a couple punches and get the fuck out of there, you know, keep moving. And I thought that uh, Leonard was able to kind of pick the pace up in, uh, like you said earlier, the hand speed was making a difference. Hagler was starting to let his hands go, but Leonard was catching him in between a lot of those shots because of his hand speed. And that's kind of where, I think some of the scoring difficulty might come in for a lot of people. Do you like that Leonard is catching him clean 
but maybe not hurting them, not really doing much damage? Or do you like those one or two shots Hagler is landing clean in, you know, between one or two exchanges? I don't know because there's no formula like we talked about in Mayweather Castillo one. There's no set formula for what a jab is worth or what a body shot is worth. But nonetheless, this was around where uh, I thought it was somewhat close. However, Leonard just picked the pace up. Yeah, the other thing is if you're a little outgunned in terms of speed, your punches should not be wide. And Hagler's punches are getting more wide. So he's got the deficit in speed plus Leonard is pot shotting him with straight punches. So it's just basic geometry yeah. in terms of what's going to get there first. And and so yeah, Leonard was able to use that effectively, that advantage. I thought besides that, Hagler was able to land a couple of solid left hands. Mm-hmm. He looked more confident. Ray began to hold, which may be conceded like he's feeling that punch from the last round and feeling a bit more of the power. Yeah, he wasn't letting much happen inside like before. He was definitely a little more desperate to clinch inside after that. Right. Uh, Leonard got cornered, but won the exchange, which was interesting. Uh, got got a, a holding warning at the two-minute mark, which was, I thought, you know, interesting in, in terms of sort of how it set the tone for the round. And then Ray closed out the round with a, a really nice combo and, and like a nice exchange that I thought he won. So again, begrudgingly had to give the round to Leonard. I wound up giving it to Hagler with, again, an asterisk because I, I liked Hagler's heavier shots in the exchanges. However, I could definitely see. I, it's apparent to me that uh, the crowd was definitely behind him. And when Leonard was letting his hands go was when a lot of these exciting moments were happening. Um, so I, I, I'm not surprised. I'm not mad about it. And I don't think it's stupid. Kind of like how I said at the, at the outset, I thought a number of these rounds were fairly close and they come down to just how you like, how you like to score a a number of these fights, you know? Yeah. I mean, we're mid mid fight now. So according to CompuBox, Leonard has landed exactly 50% of 234 punches thrown, 117 he's landed. Marvin, not far off, a little less accurate, uh, lands, I think, 105 of 304 punches for 34% accuracy. That's really not bad, you know, like overall. No, no, not at all. So, I mean, this is nothing like when we discuss Castillo Mayweather, where it's like huge disparities, huge uh, this one is much closer. It's much more understandable about how contentiously it's being scored. Um, but I have it 4-2 for Leonard going into the seventh. So seventh round, finally we're kind of seeing a fight in a phone booth, and you think like, ooh, is it going to become this for the remainder of the fight? Uh, Marvin is gaining a lot more of an advantage in most of the exchanges, which is kind of the first time we've seen that in the fight. Hagler lands some nice shots at the end of the round, and Ray throws a really glaring late punch at the end of this round. So again, you're seeing maybe a bit of desperation. How is this working into Leonard's confidence at this round? Maybe it's changing. Um, But Ray's hand speed is such a surprise, and... um, and I think you're seeing not just we talked about maybe 
Marvin's endurance, stamina, ability to really keep his foot on the gas is slightly diminished. The other thing is it seems as if his defense and reflexes are just a little bit slower. And Leonard is able to pick up on that and gain some confidence from it. He's seeing that there's a kind of light at the end of the tunnel sticking with the game plan here. And, uh, and he's able to do it, which is like, he gets full credit for that. He is, he has the kind of mental toughness that when he's been wobbled and stuff like that, goes right back to the game plan. Here's what I need to do. Don't fight on the inside, make adjustments, the necessary adjustments. But I think he's fundamentally aware I'm fighting a diminished version of Hagler in front of me and, and I can take this fight. He's fighting to win. He's not fighting to survive. Yeah, I I had it three three in rounds going into the seventh. And I did think that uh the seventh was a good round for Hagler. However, it was also an entertaining round because both guys were landing and both guys were exchanging, but that was Hagler's fight. But like you said, there, you know, there's there's a number of layers to this. Um, it was Hagler's fight and the moment, the momentum was on his side, but he wasn't as dominant in these moments as you would expect him to be, which gave Leonard hope in these moments. Yeah. He was being out muscled. Yes. He was being walked down, but he wasn't being thoroughly beaten up like many people expected. And he was still able to outspeed Hagler in a number of ways. And he also, uh, he, was able to get off that lead right hand. And it was kind of like an overhand lead right that he kept shooting off and then moving to his left and making Hagler reach with his southpaw left, which was, you know, obviously pretty textbook stuff when you're an Orthodox guy fighting a southpaw and it worked uh, in spots. It's just that in the spots where it didn't work and Hagler did manage to land the shots. I thought that they were just heavier and more effective but another round where Leonard did manage to flurry and get the crowd going. Uh, and as you said, he also landed. Yeah. I noted he did land that late punch. That was actually a really good punch. Yeah. I still narrowly gave the round to Hagler. It was definitely a very close round, but I, I slightly gave it to him eighth round. There's a pause with the glove issue. Um, but again, I thought the dominant theme of this round was Leonard's stick and move is just so effective. And Hagler doesn't have an answer for it. He does not have the ability at this point to really disrupt the game plan of Leonard, which is really frustrating because I'm so desperate that somehow it's going to change in the rewatch that he's going to find a way to figure it out. But he doesn't. Um, very late left hook to end the round. Also, that was, you know, Leonard, a little, little dirty. Yeah. Uh, but Eighth round, I thought Leonard's round. I thought just the stick and move that he's he's able to implement is just really impressive. And you know, given how dominant Hagler had been going into this fight, you just did not foresee Leonard to be able to have this much control after the layoff and and fighting such a big, strong guy like Hagler. I actually scored the eighth for Hagler, but that was another round where I thought that uh, Leonard again flurried a lot but landed on his glove, landed on Hagler's gloves a lot. And that was actually something that Ferdy Pacheco noted um, that he said, oh, Hagler's taking a lot of these shots on his gloves. Uh, but again, Leonard clearly got the, got the crowd going with these combinations. 
Um, but one thing, and I thought that it was kind of a mistake from a, from a, from the perspective of like what a judge would be looking for. And it was a mistake that Hagler made early in the fight, even though I gave the round for him, a mistake I thought he made in this round was that when Leonard was moving and jabbing, he started out trying to jab with him again, he was doing it from a Southpaw stance. So he was doing it far more effectively than an er earlier in the fight, but he was still losing that kind of fight. That's not his fight. And he still tried to do it over the first half of the round. And I thought that was a big mistake again, even though I gave him the round. So um, yeah, it's, you're seeing a theme with me and my scoring and with yours, I think that it's kind of like uh, really just depending on how much stock we're putting into um, the ring generalship, I guess, if you will, I guess, you know, to use the, the boxing pundit term, because Ray Leonard is showing good ring generalship and he is controlling how the, the fight is fought in a number of these rounds even some of the rounds that I'm giving to Hagler, because it's just that Hagler's not doing what he should and could be doing, even what the Petronellis are asking him to do between rounds and a number of these rounds where they're going, they're, they're flat out telling him, you know, you need to be the boss and stuff like that. And there were, I also earlier in the fight, I did note, I think it was after the second or third round, they say to Hagler in the corner, remember you're the boss and Hagler's kind of like looking down, like, yeah, yeah, I'm the boss. It was almost kind of like a moment, like, wow, he doesn't seem confident at all. And so, like I said earlier, uh, it seemed pretty clear that Leonard got into his head a little bit before this fight. And in moments during this fight, that seemed to kind of creep back in. And perhaps, you know, the eighth, again, even though I gave it to Hagler, was one of those kinds of moments. And one of the things that's so great about this fight, the ninth round was my favorite round of the fight, largely because Hagler responds. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, there are some great exchanges in this. I thought Hagler's pressure had never been more effective and finally gets Ray against the ropes. And this, this happening, despite the fact that, that Dundee is saying explicitly to Ray box him, like do not get into a slugging match with this guy. And despite, despite that being in explicit instructions, Hagler is just able to impose his will. And, and is very effective in doing so. Um, Ray is still able to get off faster, but the pressure and the willpower of Hagler in this round is just able to assert itself uh, in an effective way. So you get finally this brawl. Um, as we kind of saw, Duran was able to do with Leonard in the first fight, and it is not Leonard's fight. Like it just is not the way he should be fighting, but it is sure fun to see him engage in it because you finally see Hagler start to be able to have these advantages and, and Leonard having to contend with discomfort. Um, so I thought this was a pretty clear round for Hagler, but again, not, not really able to hurt him particularly, but, but effective. I agree. That was, that was pretty much how I uh, wound up summing it up was good round for Hagler. Leonard landed a number of either glancing or not that hard punches and he stuck around too long to eat hard shots from Hagler. And it, and this was one of those rounds where it was an entertaining fight or a more entertaining fight, uh, which was not in Leonard's favor. And that's a lot of what it came down to was Hagler was kind of able to finally catch up to him a little bit, rough him up, get him against the ropes. Um, and again, a theme throughout this fight for me was that I was seeing Hagler landing body punches, sometimes not that hard 
but sometimes fairly hard and they were getting overlooked. I'm not 100% sure what they were doing to Leonard, but I, I do know that Leonard wasn't sticking around for much more of them. So he didn't like him. And this was a, a round where Hagler definitely stuffed some of those in there for sure. 10th round, we are down to nine minutes left in the entire career, not just of this fight, but in marvelous Marvin Hagler's career. So it's weird to think of it that way, but that's, that's where we are. Needless to say, there's no way he could have known that at that time, but he knew it, Patrick, he knew it, (laughs) you know, maybe he did. And maybe that's why he fought that way. Who knows? You know, but Ray, Ray is finally starting to look tired. Finally, the layoff seems to have some kind of effect and, um, and yet he brilliantly, and again, I, hate complimenting this man but he brilliantly pulls off these flurries that are effective and um you know the effective aggression from from leonard in this round as much as Hagler is trying to do what he can to to regain control i had to give the round to leonard here and uh you know what other notes do i have no i i just had you know, Ray was able to deal with the fatigue in, in a way that is just really impressive given the circumstances. And no, what am I talking about? I gave, I gave Hagler the round, but still the notes that I have entirely <laughs> are, are of Leonard uh, very smartly flurrying and, um, and I guess narrowly gave this one to Hagler. My notes are a little bit inadequate in this round, but that's my memory of the round. (laughs) I gave the the 10th to Hagler. Uh, I wrote that Leonard appeared to be mostly recovered and moved well, and he was playing keep away really well, and there wasn't much offense from either guy in the first, like, 30 seconds, but that Hagler got going with body shots, uh, but both fighters appeared tired. More good body work from Hagler, uppercuts, and Leonard trying to flurry, but that his feet weren't set nearly enough to land hard good combinations but again punches just landing flush but not very hard and then this was i think the second time leonard got a warning for holding and he held a number of times throughout the fight and just nothing really ever came of it uh and some low shots so he kind of got away with those two as another advantage for leonard um and in any case uh a couple of shots from Hagler slowed leonard down toward the end of the round and then in the last 10 punches, Hagler just kind of took it to him and took the round. That's that's how I wrote anyway. And going into the 11th, um, shit, so through, let's see, I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So I got seven, three to Hag- for Hagler going into the 11th round, which for me on my scorecard, then, you know, Ray Leonard is the one who needs to step up and do something in these last two rounds. Uh, But that's definitely not how the conversation was going with the commentating on either commentating track. They, they seemed to feel that Leonard was doing a fairly masterful, masterful job of controlling the fight, Um, which I I do think there is some truth to that. Like you said, um, there's layers here. Len, neither guy was kicking the other's ass. Even if I have Hagler for seven rounds here, this was very much up for grabs going into these last two rounds. Um, I don't think either guy could have rested on their laurels or fought as if they had the fight in the back. And Leonard, I think, was the one who stepped up with showmanship 
uh, you know, in throughout the fight, but especially kind of going down the stretch. Um, it was a somewhat cl- close round that I scored to Hagler for the 11th, but Leonard found a rhythm later in the round. And my issue was that his punches were still kind of mostly glancing. It was just that he was outworking Hagler a number in, in a lot of these exchanges. It's just like, that was what I was having a difficult problem with was like, how do I give him credit for shots that aren't really landing? Even if he is outworking the other guy, it's like, ah, I, I, that was my issue in this. And that's, I think where I, where I came down to a lot of these rounds were close. And I was like, well, you know, I, I don't have a problem with a lot of these kinds of scores, but anyway, close round, gave it to Hagler, could see it the other way. Yeah, I did see it the other way, unfortunately. I, I thought it was almost inexplicable that Hagler in the first minute, pretty slow pace, which is curious. Like, I mean, you'd think part of you would be a little concerned about where the judges might be. Um, and I thought a lot of Leonard's combinations that he was kind of landing like they just would seem like cheap flurries like just kind of nickel and dime and just getting stuff out there just flicking stuff so uh, I found it frustrating to give the round to Leonard but I just thought he was able to establish more control throughout the round and and in my own subjective way of scoring if I feel like you're dictating where stuff is happening and you're more active that it seems to demonstrate, you know, effective aggression. And I thought Leonard did enough there, even if the quality of the punches wasn't outstanding, I didn't see Hagler do anything to, to sort of uh, make the comparison unflattering. So yeah, I had to give that one to Leonard and we move into the final round. Uh, To me, there looked to be some desperation on the part of Leonard here and some of the body shots that Hagler was able to land were significant, some light flurries by Leonard, and then a whole 20-second stretch of just jumping on the old bicycle in the last round, just underlined why I just fucking can't stand him. (laughs) Um, So I I gave this one pretty clearly to Hagler uh, to to round out the draw that I scored. But, um, you know, we end the fight with Hagler landing a little above the midway part with a 37% accuracy, landing 291 punches from 792 thrown. Leonard not as active overall with 629 punches thrown, lands 306 with 49% landing percentage, which is very, very high. I think that uh, obviously this is not, the only conclusion you can draw from that, but one of them is that Hagler was far less mobile in terms of head movement. He was far more stationary in terms of being a target, far less varied with his offense, far less effective with his offense than he had been in recent years. He was obviously not shot in the vast majority of middleweights. He still would have fucking destroyed on that night which is a credit to Ray Leonard, even though I did not score the fight for him. And I reluctantly gave Leonard the the 12th round. And this is precisely why you don't want me as a boxing judge. Cause I even noted that I was like, I might have given Leonard the round for the fact that, like I said earlier, that he got the, the crowd really going. He did a lot of 
gesturing and kind of gyrating and shit like that. And a lot of clowning that got the crowd into it and made it really exciting. Um, and that uh, actually I thought Hagler did land the harder shots, but Leonard was kind of moving away from them for much of the round and taking the steam off of those harder shots. And Leonard kind of seized the momentum with his flurries. But like I said, it was kind of like, I was almost, I felt like I was, I was caught up in that almost like, you know, even allowing myself to get caught up in that, which is stupid, makes no sense. So even so with that, and it also might've been knowing that I had been scoring a number of these rounds for Hagler going into the 12th round. I was like, damn, I'm going to wind up with like a heavily pro Hagler card if I score this 12th round for Hagler too. So maybe that was in my mind as well, but I don't know. Either way, I wound up with 8-4 Hagler, and again, a couple rounds close enough that if you wind up with a draw or with it like, you know, a close fight for Leonard, I'm not going to get too upset here. I don't think that it was an egregious, it was the type of fight where any type of result close either way is a robbery. I think one of the big issues that people have is that one of the official cards winds up with an 18-10 card for Ray Leonard, which is 10 rounds to two which is like, whoa, I don't see, I don't see how you get that. Now, uh, Judge Luke Flippo had it scored 115-113 for Hagler. I'm fine with that. Dave Moretti had it 115-113 for Leonard. And then Judge Jojo, yeah, just that egregious score. Uh, Harold Letterman had it 115-113 for Leonard. And Larry Merchant had it the same as me with a draw. And I think that those, I think that those are pretty reasonable scores. Even I almost get uncomfortable with the eight rounds to Hagler because it's like, you know, you got to start kind of shading stuff, I think, but I don't know. I'm not going to go back and rescore it again, (laughs) but regardless, I was surprised that I, that I wound up with that, you know, conclusion with that result, because like I said earlier, I thought that I was going to come with a, come out with a close win for Leonard. And I mean, I think that's the tale of the fight, ultimately, when it comes down to it, is Leonard surpassed all expectations. And Hagler kind of showed himself to be far more past his prime than anybody really imagined. So the collision, a lot of it, I think, came down to, well, timing is a little unfair to Leonard because, you know, this this didn't just happen for him. He had to earn this. Absolutely. And I think had he gone in there the way he did in the, the first Duran fight, eh, you know, like, <laughs> I, I don't know how well that would have played out for him, but he just fought this beautifully and the timing was perfect and the conditions that he got Hagler to agree to for a considerable amount of money, um, boy, they paid off and allowed him to just go on to like it was such a smart investment. It was such a smart investment. Instead of saying, like, go short term with this and just maximize my earnings for this and, like, roll the dice, he was very careful to just position things. And Hagler agreed to it. So Hagler made some extra money to go off into the sunset with his career, but nonetheless had to live with the abiding frustration of what this fight was for him, which, again, I don't see the fight the way he sees it. I don't understand how he ever saw this as a robbery, but I can imagine when you have the first two rounds that you just threw away the way you did and maybe how much that influenced the judges because 
he didn't just give the first two rounds away. He gave away the crowd by doing that in many respects and gave the confidence to Leonard to think, I can do this. It's not just a blueprint. This blueprint can work. And I, and I don't know why he did it. I don't like, I, I've never really heard him explain the whole orthodox stance for the first two rounds. If you're a haggler, after that first round, you want an opponent like Ray Leonard, who's coming up in weight, smaller than you, not as powerful as you in terms of punching power, not, not as powerful as you in terms of strength. You want that opponent going out of that first round thinking this is going to be a long fucking night. You don't want that opponent going out of that first round going, I can do this. You know, like this is, this is not going to be that kind of chore. Like I can do this. And again, I didn't squirt for Ray Leonard, but I could definitely see how he could come out, you know, in the, he could come out ahead on the cards and have the momentum, have the, uh, have the, the love of the crowd, at least there in the moment. Um, but as a, as a kind of final fuck you to Marvin Hagler, the marvelous Marvin Hagler. So Hagler obviously wanted the rematch. Hagler thought that he was robbed, which again, does not really jibe with reality because Hagler doesn't really ever at any point seem to take much ownership for giving away the first two rounds and also for perhaps not doing as much in certain moments where he could have. But, you know, on top, but regardless, he wants the rematch and he asked for the rematch. Ray Leonard sounds like he's amenable to the rematch, makes Marvin Hagler wait more than a year, calls a press conference only to announce that he's not going to give Hagler the rematch and is going to retire again. Such a piece of shit. And that is the moment where I think that he totally loses the fucking crowd here pretty much permanently. Where there's this massive fight, this fight that was massive in the first place. And honestly, to be honest, I thought that the fight that, that Leonard Hagler was more entertaining than I remembered it. There were a number of rounds where I was like, hey, this is kind of fun. And it was a good fight, made a shitload of money, popular, and people seemed to want the rematch. It was controversial. And so for Leonard to screw over fans like that and then to screw over Hagler like that, I don't blame Hagler for, I, I would possibly blame Hagler for being a, a fucking jerk after the first fight and just going, nah. But after getting screwed about the rematch, yeah, dude, I don't blame him. Are you kidding me? I'd ride off over to Italy and become a movie star with, uh, with Anthony Quinn's son too, man. Are you kidding me? Get out of here. So um, and if anybody doesn't understand what I'm talking about there, that's Francesco Quinn, who was in Indio, who uh, that was the film that the bigger, the bigger film that Hagler starred, starred in. It was a, an Italian directed film, uh, action film. It was terrible. It's actually on YouTube. You can go watch it. It's not good at all. But regardless, yes. I don't yes, blame him. Well, and, and on top of that, dude, Leonard winds up coming back a couple months later. It wasn't even like he... He calls a press conference. It sounds like he's going to announce, like they're going to kind of go into negotiations with Hagler for a rematch. And literally, what does he say? He says something to the effect of, my head says yes, but my body says no, or some shit like that. Some, some contrived bullshit. And Hagler's on hand just going, what? Wow. And so everyone's just like, what is this bullshit? And everyone was like, this is Ray Leonard, the asshole here reacted poorly to it. And then a couple months later, he announces that he's coming back to fight Donnie Lalonde. And not only that, there's this entire con contrived double, uh, double 
world title shit going on where they fight for both the WBC super middleweight and light heavyweight world title. So it's just prolonging this idea of Ray Leonard getting like special treatment or something. It's fuck dude. And that's where he loses the crowd. You know, that's where he loses it. No, I mean, anybody who's a Hagler fan or a hater of Ray Leonard, you have to do exactly what I did after this fight and go watch Leonard first versus Terry Norris. (laughs) And follow it up with another serving of Hector Camacho. And then you just feel so much better. Like, then you just sort of, it's just the shower. Watch Terry Norris hit him while he's down, like he did to, like, every opponent ever. But, hey, if you don't like Ray Leonard, it's it's just desserts, you know? Yeah, it feels good. It feels good. It just, you know, I'm sure probably Hagler... Like it was like Sunset Boulevard for Hagler, just watching those two fights, just whatever he felt terrible, remembering the scoring of this fight. But uh, no, I really wish I could give this to Hagler, but um, I feel very comfortable with the draw that I scored. Very, very comfortable. And and it's not to say I disagree with your score or any anything else that's close, but I didn't feel any round where I was like, I just don't know where to go with this. Well, again, that that's what makes me too wishy-washy to be a uh, a stern. I could be, I think, a good referee, but not a good boxing judge. I don't think I'd be a good boxing judge. But you know, it's it was for me a, a somewhat difficult fight to score in a number of different rounds. But like I said, I was surprised that it was more entertaining than I remember, um, and that it was it was just closer than I remember, I guess. And I could see it why it's so contentious after so many years tempers flare you know what i mean and these are two fighters who are ray leonard's more polarizing than Hagler is obviously but because of that fandom backing Hagler, that's really only grown over the last few decades almost like almost to a baffling degree but because of that that fandom uh you know feelings are strong yeah still an amazing fight to rewatch. uh but it, it does just, just elicit these emotions of like the predominant feeling of it is just frustration. It's just, I mean, I'm not saying that Hagler had the fight to win, like it was his to lose. Cause that's, that's unfair. Well, let me ask you something. Sorry to interrupt you, but I guess from a slightly different perspective, if you, if you were a Ray Leonard fan, right? Like, let's say you're a big Ray Leonard fan. What do you think you're coming out of this fight feeling like at the end of that fight? Are you feeling like, yeah, he did it or like kind of like, oh, shit, I don't know if he did that. You know, did he deserve that? I mean, what do you what do you think? I think it it would be very similar to Mayweather's victories, like second half of his career, where it's just like he did. what That was the master plan all along. What are you talking about? And And I mean, also, like, I mean. Let's understand each other with that. When Foreman says, like, this was the master plan with Michael Moore to knock him out, bullshit. Nobody's master plan is to lose every round and then, you know, like, like come on, man. Like, you, you know, you, I don't want to say you got Opportunity struck and you got it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So good for you. And, and you're, you know, 45 years old and the, and the chant. That's great. I love George Foreman. But don't tell me it was the fucking plan. And I can't stand Michael Moore and you know, behind the scenes, I think Michael Moore is a lot worse a person than even people know. If you're inside boxing, you've probably heard a few things. Uh, I'm not supposed to talk about it, but. uh, Well, anybody who knows Gerald McClellan and he ran in that, in that circle and Gerald McClellan was up to some pretty naughty stuff. So you can kind of draw your own conclusions from there. Yeah. 
okay, I need to leave that aside. But but just just my point being here is that Leonard was able to, as he did in the second fight against Duran. I love Roberto Duran, but I have to give Leonard credit for that game plan. And like again, this pattern that Leonard has about controlling the conditions of the fight and when they happen and sort of how they happen and taking into account those little things is a big fucking deal. And if you're, if you're sort of just like, ah, just get in there and fight. Maybe I, I don't know that that was Duran's attitude, but much more so it was his attitude is I can, I can win anything that I'm involved with. Whereas Leonard was like, well, let's, let's make some adjustments that, I mean, can be calibrated in my favor to what assets I bring to bear here. And he certainly did that with Duran. If Duran had not blown up in weight, which Leonard very astutely observed, those parameters paid major dividends, as did everything he did to control as much as he could. Legitimately, you know, making negotiations, Hagler was not forced to do any of this. He was the champ. He didn't have to do it. But uh, Leonard, Leonard is just really, really intelligent outside the ring and setting this up in exactly the way that Floyd was brilliant at setting up his career. Had Floyd lost to Castillo, like the last fight we discussed, totally different career because everything doesn't come down to the zero. Everything doesn't come down to I'm the best because of this and how satisfying would it be to watch me lose. Probably he did lose that fight objectively, but not according to his record. And that's that's the end of it in terms of his bottom line. And so with with Leonard, I, I think he was really effective in getting into the heads of these fighters and, and taking control where he needed to. And a lot of fighters are reticent to do that. I remember the late Bert Sugar saying to me where I was talking to him about a, a fighter who just was not doing anything to look after himself outside the ring. He said, you, you must not know anything about fighters is that they, they are afraid of, of basically taking control of anything outside the ring. They, they just, they do not allow, like they always are putting themselves up to be taken advantage of. And I think that's unfair because I think the system is incentivized to take advantage of them. But I noticed that there, there is a counterintuitive nervousness by fighters about getting involved in things where they don't feel comfortable being assertive. Even if they're hyper assertive in the ring, they could be quite timid in terms of contracts and people around them saying no to people. They're, they're very averse to that in ways that was quite unexpected until you're actually around these people. Almost as if whatever they're doing in the ring, that's their job. Don't talk to me about shit. That's not my job now. Like I'm doing my fucking job now. Take this other shit elsewhere. And yeah. especially so with a lot of the kind of superstars and fighters who, who grow into celebrities. I think that's especially, you know, that's often, especially the case. Um, one of the things that also looking back on, sorry to interrupt you, but yeah. one of the things looking back on Ray Leonard's career, that's kind of surprising to me, especially because I wasn't there, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit too young to remember most of his career. Most of the, the career that I remember at the time was latter day Ray Leonard, which was obviously a totally different animal. Um, but you look at Ray Leonard's career and a lot of the stuff, a lot of the famous stuff that we talk about happened fairly early on, even the, the Roberto Duran fights. And then you, you bring up the Duran rematch, which, which is really instructive. I think when you compare it to the Hagler fight, 
and not to get down on on Duran at all because I love Duran myself. But I do think that it's interesting that Marvin Hagler, while he might not have responded to the clowning and that type of stuff in a way where he clearly won or clearly kicked his ass or anything like that, he nonetheless didn't he didn't quit. He didn't get so frustrated that he just said, fuck this. You know what I mean? And again, I don't think that's the kind of thing that sticks with Roberto Duran throughout his career and you should hate him forever now. But regardless, it's, it is interesting to see that, that Hagler got basically the same treatment and Hagler just kind of gritted his teeth and said, fuck it, let's keep fighting. So, you know, um, in just the arc of Ray Leonard's career, how late in his career this happened, he still fought five more times after, Marvin Hagler, but then you also kind of take a, a, an even bigger step back and realize that Le- Leonard fought 40 times, 4-0. You know, it almost seems like he fought twice that many with his, you know, the years that his career stretched and the stars that he fought. It, it just, it seems much bigger than it really was and how big this fight was in his career is, it's, it's pretty interesting stuff. Well, and I think I think another thing that's interesting with with both Mayweather and Leonard is like that documentary about um, Duran and Leonard, and they're brought back together. And the oh, whole the premise, one from a few years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and the premise of it ugh. is is enti- yeah, <laughs> the, the premise of it entirely is false, and yet they go out of their way to prove it by saying, oh, Duran has never gotten over this. He's never got it. It's not Duran that's never gotten over it. It's Leonard who's never gotten over it. Yeah, he's like, he's ready to just talk about the fight in the historical, you know, and Leonard's just like, let's get to the bottom of this. And everybody's like, we're already been to the bottom of it for 30 years, buddy. What are you talking about? Well, no, and I think think on a certain level, to give Leonard credit for like that win and, and as we talked about, controlling the circumstances in which they fought, using those advantages to go into the casino and come out a winner. Great. Good for you. You get credit. But when you guys actually fought, when you really fought, what happened? You got your fucking ass kicked. You got your fucking ass kicked. And so there's a side to this, which is kind of like, like there's a bit of a chess analogy that when you speed stuff up, you see more human brought to bear in them playing as opposed to all the prep. Nobody gets right. excited by the press. Exactly. We if you can't it, control for all of those factors, right. it's more real. Yeah, it's exactly. Real. Psychology is in there. Stress, like your fucking breathing is going up. You're nervous. There's adrenaline. And we see more of you in terms of what's there. And when we saw the two men come together of Len- Leonard and Duran, we saw what Duran was able to do, and we saw something we've never seen before or since, which is that Leonard looked scared the entire time. Even at the end of the fight where it's like, hey, let's have a good fight. Get the fuck out of my face, grabbing his balls, looking at somebody in the front row. Like It was Leonard's it, wife. Oh, my God. It was Leonard's <laughs> wife. <laughs> I know. Uh, just incredible. I mean, I'm not, I'm not advocating that we should all I do know, that. I know, but, yeah, it's, it's pretty hey, brutal shit. So iconic and Tyson is even imitating it and, and gets credit for it being amazing despite the fact that it's this complete like ersatz karaoke of Duran like the original article um, but I think the same thing is kind of true with like the Duran Leonard fight is we go oh Duran the narrative is Duran the narrative is not Leonard okay yeah you frustrated him and you danced around and you took advantage that he wasn't in shape good for you and, and you get the, the W 
But in the end, we're just kind of like, but if you fought the real Duran, we know what happened because you got your fucking ass kicked. And, and, and he also took your soul a little bit as well. And you're pretending like the second one is the really defining. Exactly. Fight. Yeah. Eh, it, well, and that's, that's the contrived shitty part is to say, well, the first one didn't really count. The second one where I won, that's the one that counts. Exactly right. And, exactly but, right that's kind of one of those kind of foibles or ticks or whatever you want to call them that with fighters where it's, it's predictable, dude, it's super predictable. It's just like where nine times out of 10, you ask a fighter who was, who is the hardest puncher you ever fought? It's going to be somebody that they beat. It's not somebody, it's not the guy that fucking knocked them clean out to where they needed to go to the yeah. hospital. It's the guy that they beat. Oh no. Yeah. He knocked me out pretty bad, but you know what? I took way harder shots than that in the gym against so-and-so. Okay, you know, they almost always say that because it's like it's almost like that's still in their control then. It's like they can still account for that. They can't account for the fact that somebody knocked them clean out. But you know, that's that's just one of those kind of funky psychological profile, you know, traits of of fighters. It's something that largely we we believe we understand but couldn't really understand without being fighters, but even so is still interesting to to note and discuss, but when it comes to Ray Leonard, though, that, um, that desire for control, that desire for controlling the narrative, even retroactively is amazing. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's always about him. And again, um, it's not that that wasn't always the case, but I think that the, the treatment of Marvin Hagler in the wake of that fight, and then also just kind of the historical perspective on the fight and the fact that Hagler's got more fans now is just kind of, I don't want to say it's tainted it, but it's obviously slanted the view of it. So, yeah, I think that's definitely where Leonard lost it, and he's just never really gotten it back. Yeah, yeah, I think it, there's just an element of him that just leaves a bad taste in your mouth. And I think this, this happens where there's some people that get lots of popular success, but they don't get respect. And there's some people that never had popular success, but they always had respect. And yeah, it, both can eat at you in different in different ways you know such and such is a critically acclaimed and you're like well how did that critically acclaimed movie book whatever do not very well but it's like they hang their hat on the critical acclaim sort of thing and and the, the people who are really popular you can see it's a chip on their shoulder that yeah it, it's really successful but it i've never really been particularly admired for it so I, I do think that that's an element with these guys. And I think it's even more so true with the Duran, the, both of those fights. But um, that being said, I think Leonard would have annihilated Mayweather Jr. If they'd fought like kind of, I think at any, at any weight, if they were in their primes, I just think Leonard, Leonard had so many tools to really take advantage. And uh, I remember like Roy Jones said that to me once where I was like, come on, you guys are both the same weight. How does that go? And he was like, I beat somebody better when I beat Tony. Like Tony is the same version of Floyd, except like he's more dangerous and he's got more dog in him, his words, than, than, than Floyd does. And, and I don't know if that's true. I, I, I think a lot of, of Floyd's ability, but it, that's why these contentious arguments are fun to engage with because I think you always have well-armed armies on both sides of, of the debate. Yeah, there's no question. And, and like I said, one, one army in particular, one side in particular <laughs> seems to have only gotten stronger over time, but you know what? I would just encourage anybody to go back and watch this fight. And if they want to score it, if they want to take the time to score it, do it yourself. I mean, it's, 
it's still a controversial fight. It's still a fight between two fairly beloved uh, fighters and classic fighters from this four Kings era. And dude, I, I appreciate you uh, taking the time to detail, to, to scour over it because, you know, doing this stuff. We did the first one with Mayweather Castillo, a lot of fun, this one, a lot of fun. And then we're going to do a, another one probably next week. That should be also a lot of fun. Klitschko Lewis. I can't wait. It was, uh, I rewatched it, but I, I haven't taken notes for it. Like we've been doing with these, but I mean, I think we should also ask people what contentious fights they would like to see, because I mean, I have a, a few in my mind, but I would love to be sent down some of those rabbit holes. Cause there's so many that are fun. Yeah, no question. I'm, I'm always open for uh, suggestions, whether it's, you know, the true crime, whether it's rescoring some of these fights or history kind of ideas and stuff like that. I'm, I'm always, always open to seeing uh, what people would like to hear about or watch or whatever. So again, dude, I, I appreciate you taking the time to do this. I appreciate everybody who listened in because uh, we love reliving the history stuff. Hopefully you do too. Um, in the meanwhile, before we do these other shows, if you are on social media, for instance, like Twitter, follow my buddy, Bryn Jonathan Butler on Twitter at B-R-I-N-I-C-I-O. It's Bryn Isio. Follow me, Patrick Connor, Patrick M. Connor. If you watched us on YouTube, go ahead and subscribe there. It'll be easy. But if you listen on any of these podcast apps, you can also subscribe on those too. Bryn, I will talk to you soon, my friend. And we got a Bobby Chez, Corey Sanders. <laughs> Yeah. Fight. Yeah. Well, we're going to have to figure out some contentious Bobby Chez fight to rescore. That's what we'll have to do. Yeah, we could so, probably bring him on the show. I think I hear him now. I, I mean, no, we'll, we'll have to decide what his biggest win was, rescore that in a way where he didn't win. You know, that's what we'll have to do. <laughs> All right. Thanks, man. Talk to you soon. See you later, man. All right. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.